Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Good evening, folks. It's time for episode 16 of It's News to Us, our weekday podcast, talking about the uh, latest uh, in the news here in Richmond. Uh, Jeff Stapleton is to my left if you're watching on video. If you're <laughs> listening on audio, he's still to my left. You just can't see him. Um, <laughs> just tra- or trust us on that. Trust us. And, and of course, I'm News Director Matt Demline here. Um, a lot of news today. Big newsy day. Um, and it pretty much started from eight o'clock on this morning. So, yeah, it's uh, and I think that leads us into our top story because there was a, a release from Richmond police about today's top story earlier today. Yeah, exactly. Um, Richmond police uh, say that a tip basically uh, broke up what they're saying would have been a mass shooting at Dogwood Dell at the fireworks celebration at Dogwood Dell um, on July 4th. Uh, what happened is this, and this is the timeline. Um, they received this tip on July 1st, a call to uh, second precinct um, in the city. Uh, they that, went. Is that kind of near Dogwood Dell? Second uh, no, actually, that is uh, South Richmond. Okay. That is actually South Richmond. Uh, they went to a home on uh, Columbia Street um, and while in the home found what they're saying is things consistent that would back up this, this tip. Basically they found guns and, and ammunition. Um, and at that time arrested one person. Uh, his name is Julio Alvarado. He's a Guatemalan national. Um, and they took him into custody. He's been charged uh, with being a non U S citizen in possession of a firearm. They also took under observation a second person, Roman Barcercel. Um, and kept an eye on him and eventually arrested him on the 5th, which would be Tuesday, which would actually be after the 4th of July fireworks. Right. But uh, police chief Gerald Smith says they didn't have the probable cause necessary to arrest him until after uh, the 4th of July uh, celebration. He has also been charged with the same charge, being a non-citizen in possession of a firearm. Yeah, is he also from Guatemala? Both are from Guatemala. Both yeah. are Guatemalan nationals. Um, and... Uh, are undocumented immigrants uh, in the in the country. Uh, question about the timeline as well. Once they got the tip, wasn't the FBI also involved? The FBI was also involved, uh, to, as the police chief explained, uh, to make sure that there wasn't a broader um, thing going on here. Yeah. Um, now, I will say that they did not tell the people at Dogwood Dell this was going on. They already had heavy security there. And this was in part due to what had happened in Highland Park. Highland Park, Illinois, let, let me be clear, not Highland, you know, not Highland Springs here, but Highland Park, um, where, where there was the mass shooting earlier you know, that day, yeah, earlier in the day in Chicago. And they also had heavy security at the Diamond. Same thing, you know, yeah. all, all mass events were, were, were being looked at pretty seriously. And I would think that would be the case, even though even if Highland Park, Illinois had not happened. Yeah, I mean, they ex- exactly. And um, also, in part, even if Highland, even if Highland Park had happened, but this tip wasn't there and there wasn't any reason, they were still going to have heavy security there in light of what had happened um, in, in outside Chicago. Yeah. Um, so 
the arrests have been made. They're saying that they were able to break this up. Um, I will say that the mayor spoke about gun violence overall. Keep in mind, there was an awfully violent weekend in the city as is. We right. had under a number of people's definition, an actual mass shooting on Broad Street where yeah. six people were shot. Nobody was killed. Two suffered life-threatening injuries. Right. Some have and, life-threatening injuries. Yeah. yeah. And, and four with non-life-threatening injuries. Um, no arrests have been made there. Um, and then there was also a fatal shooting on Main Street at, at a at a restaurant on Main Street, um, as well as the drive by shooting on I-95 as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, Mayor Stoney spoke after the, the, the chief made this announcement saying that we need tougher gun laws. This is not surprising. This has been a position of Mayor Stoney's for, for years and years. Yeah. He complimented Congress for the recent gun uh, legislation that passed, but said a lot more is needed. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, I mean, that's like you said, it's not a surprising stance from uh, LeVar Stoney. But I mean, you have to say something after your city had a even without this uh, attack, if it were to have happened at Dogwood Dell, it was still a violent weekend in the area. Yeah. And and, and I suppose we should, again, stress that it wasn't just the city that had violence this weekend. There was a shooting, a fatal shooting at a party in Chesterfield. And in fact, there was a law a officer involved or a deputy involved shooting in Chesterfield tied to that incident. There was also two women killed in a domestic incident in Henrico, which sort of leads into our next story. We got a little bit more detail from Henrico police as to the person they arrested uh, in that incident. Right. Henrico police have confirmed that uh, this uh, man who was uh, kind of uh, was the subject of a standoff, a nine hour standoff on Saturday in the East end on, um, uh, Phillips Woods Road, which is off Darby Town Road, kind of in the area of uh, a story we had yesterday that I can't. Oh, the hit and run uh, uh, suspect uh, mm-hmm. uh, incident, uh, kind of in that area around Verina High School. But uh, you may remember that uh, standoff where uh, uh, the uh, former Henrico uh, police uh, employee, which we now know was a um, officer with the canine unit, and he was on the force for 28 years yeah. uh, in Henrico County. And uh, he was hired in 1986 in October of that year. And in November of 2014, he retired. And at that time, he was an officer with the canine unit. Yeah. Uh, and basically what had happened is, as Matt had said, he killed his, or he's suspected of killing his wife, uh, uh, Diane Crowder and his uh, stepdaughter, Carrie Zacks, uh, in the house. Now, police had heard gunshots. I think the timeline was around 930 Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Richard Crowder did not come out of the house until 630 that evening. Right. And yeah. I will tell you, the Richmond Times Dispatch has done some additional um, reporting on this. This is their reporting, not ours. Right. Um, but um, they say, um, you know, based on search warrants that they've been able to obtain, that um, when uh, movers went to the home to help uh, the the uh, wife and stepdaughter move out of the home, um, that uh, Mr. Crowder allegedly was drunk and agitated. And then they heard gunshots and they fled the house, basically. And that's when police came in and police, um, because there were cameras on the home, as well as him being a former officer and the fact that he had fired at apparently or allegedly fired at some officers. Yes. Um, they took their time in um, trying to, I don't want to say storm the house, but get him out of the house 
because they were concerned about um, their welfare plus, you know, what he could do right. if, if they did because of the cameras and someone everything. else in the house or something like that. Right. And they believe that the women were, you know, already shot and more than likely killed at this point. Yeah. Um, that, there, that there wasn't much that they could do to, you know, by by forcing the situation any further. Yeah. So um, moving on from what unfortunately has been a really, really violent first part of this, uh, this uh, podcast. Um, we also talked to state employees, the State Employees Association today, um, in regards to uh, return to office. That was actually supposed to have taken place on Monday. You actually got a chance to talk to the um, Employees Association representative. What did they say in regards to how that has been proceeding? Yeah, uh, well, just a small correction. It actually took effect on Tuesday. Tuesday. I keep on forgetting about the holiday. I I made the same mistake when I made the, uh, you know, the cut sheet inside the terminology here uh, for the anchors to use that I put Monday as well. But Monday, of course, was a holiday. So this this uh, going back to the office uh, uh, mandate or directive from uh, Governor Yunkin's administration was to take effect on July 5th, which was Tuesday, yesterday. Um, now, Dylan Bishop, the contract lobbyist for the Virginia Government Employee Association, basically speaks for, you know, state workers, says it's been kind of a mixed bag as far as how this has gone. He says there has been a lack of consistency among state agencies. Some have allowed uh, workers. And you know, he says, first of all, that some workers have not who have applied for a waiver to continue working from home. Uh, have not received a response as of the July 5th deadline. And uh, Dylan Bishop was telling me that uh, some state agencies, while those workers are waiting for that response, are allowed to continue working from home. Whereas some agencies are like, well, if you don't have this, then you can't come back or you, you know, you can't work from home. Yeah. You've got to come back to the office. So he's a little concerned about the uh, lack of uh, uniformity in this mandate. And he says that the administration is um, not being consistent with their uh, secretaries of their various agencies as far as uh, what they're allowing and what they're not allowing in this case. Um, He does say that... uh, um, there's kind of a double standard that some workers are concerned about. And he says that some, you know, because they're adhering to the strict July 5th deadline, the administration, these are his words, doesn't appear to be because some agencies are not allowing the, you know, the COVID protocols are working from home to continue while this is all being processed. Now, the governor's office says that their administration has approved the vast majority of telework requests that have been submitted. Now, they also say that the office is going through some uh, applications that were submitted late, and they say that most are completed and formalized with the employees. Yeah. Now, most, of course, doesn't mean all, which is consistent with what this guy is saying. Yeah. Um, he also says, I asked him, well, what's the what's the end result of, you know, the employees who haven't heard anything yet? What are they going to do? Are they do they have to go back to the office? Are they protesting by not going? He says, 
he thinks that the result of what this is going to be eventually is that a lot of people are just just going to up and quit. Yeah. From uh, from been- jobs because he, because he says there's a compensation uh, uh, issue issue yeah. as far as you know, state government versus the private sector. It says similar jobs in the private sector tend to pay more. And yeah. so they and the benefit, and the benefit really was not having to pay for gas at the time. Right. And they say it's not worth the fight when they can just quit. So <laughs> he says they don't have that sort of result yet, but eventually they may it may it won't be surprising for him to see that kind of result. Yeah. And we should point out that, you know, you know, the governor's office did say that, you know, they got some applications late. Right. The governor's office actually missed their own deadline for approving a bunch of applications or reviewing applications back in June. So there has been missed deadlines potentially on both sides and, of this. And that kind of goes with what he's saying, the double standard that some state employees have seen, like they're adhering to this deadline. Yeah. While the they're, what he's saying is the administration is not. Yeah. Uh, understood. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, uh, especially as we go further this summer. Also, keep in mind that people are probably on vacations now, too, both, you know, here and in state government, uh, you know, at almost every job. And you'll probably see bigger impacts as we get either further into summer or, you know, once we get into the fall, right. um, which is, of course, when the state employees actually wanted this whole thing delayed. Yeah, they wanted to, until it to be effect after Labor Day because, until, you know, until school started. School started. So, yeah. But so. there's 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 concerns about even not only child care, but for those children who aren't in school yet, but also people who have to care for elderly parents. Yeah. Exactly. And things like that. Yeah, a number, a number, you know, there's a number, as many people as there are, as many employees as there are, there as as many, you know, um, potential issues with it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So um, moving on, um, you know, we do have the, the potential for severe storms uh, this evening. I know you talked to, to NBC 12. Yeah. Uh, are we still we still under the uh, the gun there for the rest of the evening? Yeah. Um, now, we recorded this a little before five, around five o'clock, and it looked like there was some stuff activity to the west. And um, there was some cells earlier in the afternoon that were south of downtown, but we're, quote unquote, uh, under this threat until eight o'clock tonight. So we haven't seen, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've seen too many warnings, at least in the immediate metro Richmond area. No, not not at all. I mean, I, I did show you the picture of flooding out in far southwestern yeah. Virginia. Um, you know, you know, basically just some flash flooding, but you know how it is when in the mountains, it has to go downhill and it goes downhill fast. Right, um, right. So they've got some flash flooding out there. I haven't seen any, any, any warned storms in our area. I have seen up near Charlottesville yeah, and Charlottesville up in, had some warnings You're up, up along 81, but not, not that here. And that was probably around the 430 time frame, yeah. And those storms are moving toward us. So, you know, we could see some activity. Yeah. Again, you know, this around 5 36 o'clock hour of course may not yeah. mean anything if you hear this after exactly exactly um and and one final thing and this is not news related but it is news related is news related <laughs> um tomorrow morning i'm going to be on with john reed for a full hour in the nine o'clock hour and we're going to talk about how we do news in the newsroom um you know a little bit of what i do here with 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 jeff and where i give you a little insight to that I'm going to do it for an hour with with John Reed. Um, And it's also going to be part of tomorrow's podcast as well, because might as well give you guys the full explanation here 
that, you know, if you're not able to listen in the morning, you can listen to it, listen to it here as well. We'll still give you the, the uh, update on the day's stories, but I'm going to include that as part of the podcast as well. So there'll be a portion of the audio podcast that won't be included in the video podcast because I don't think we're going to record John and I talking and then, you know, yeah. merge them together. I don't feel like doing all the video merging, to be honest <laughs> with you. We're not going to do a, a, a full transcript of the yeah. conversations that went on between nine and 10, but a, a summary of what. Yeah, exactly. 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 So we'll, uh, but we'll have that, um, you know, you will have some audio from that, you know, so, so people, you know, people will be able to get that. Um, but that's again, the latest from here, obviously listen from nine to 10 tomorrow. If not listen, you know, obviously download the podcast and uh, you can get it there as well. Um, and obviously when you do download these podcasts, please give us a review, hopefully a good review. Um, and uh, please tell other people to listen to them. We're, you know, we're, we're going to continue to do this. We're glad that we're doing this. We enjoy doing this. We want to give you guys something that, and we want to be able to continue doing this. So yeah. I think more information is better. Yeah. More information in variety of forms is better. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Amen. So again, for Jeff Stapleton, I'm Matt Demline. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.